0: I'm Hemant Mehta.
1: And I'm Jessica Blumke.
0: And you're listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Be Secular. Be free to love. Be able to choose. Be accepted no matter your race, gender, sexual orientation, or belief system. Be Secular.
0: Be Secular merchandise allows you to display your support for equality and the separation of church and state while also donating up to 50% of the profit from your purchase to nonprofits, groups, and artists that support those same values.
1: Go to www.besecular.com, pick your item, and then choose who you want to get a donation from your sale.
0: Listeners of this podcast will get a 10% discount if they use the promo code FRIENDLY. Make a statement. Be you. Be secular. Juem Navarro Rivera is a research associate at the Public Religion Research Institute. PRRI publishes some of the most important and credible surveys when it comes to tracking religious demographics in the United States. Before joining PRRI, Juem was a research fellow at the Institute for the Study of Secularism in Society and Culture at Trinity College, where he served as the lead analyst for many studies, including the landmark American Religious Identification Survey, or ARIS. He also taught political science and Latino studies at the Puerto Rican and Latino Studies Institute at the University of Connecticut. Juem, thanks so much for being here.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Sure. So, uh, everyone at PRI, you guys just recently released the 2014 American Values Survey. What were some of the big findings uh, you learned from that data that might be relevant to atheists, agnostics, and other nuns?
2: I think the uh, the most important finding, uh, particularly for the area, you know, the non-religious, the religious we has been these... Uh, last it's towards the end of the report, but it's this question about religious uh, freedom uh, basically in which we ask people about uh, what worries them more if uh, politicians or or you know too much politics in the religion or too much uh, or whether there was not enough influence and what you see is that the religious affiliated or the node are actually more worried about Uh, The influence of religion in politics, while on the other hand, you have white evangelical Protestants basically being the mirror image of the non-religious and saying that they are concerned that there's not a lot of, uh, not enough religion in politics. Uh,
0: And so that kind of, that echoes what we've seen kind of in the culture wars, where you have atheists fighting church-state separation battles, and a lot of the evangelical groups kind of saying, no, we need more religion in government.
2: Yeah, so one interesting thing that has been that actually there was a few survey that was released a, a little earlier that actually finds something similar. Uh, so it, it basically goes with the pattern that we have seen of, over the last few years in which uh, the non-religious and, and especially white evangelical persons have become basically these two polar opposites. They vote for the Republican Party or the Democratic Party at similar rates, they are now similar uh, chunks of the population, so they're around both around uh, in the low twenty percent, uh, depending on you know the survey and, and how much fluctuates. So but it's basically around the same uh, proportion of the population, and basically have opposite views on anything going from abortion, same-sex marriage, uh, and even in, in some economic issues. So it, it's a very interesting uh, development that has been happening. And it has uh it's exacerbated with the rise of the unaffiliated while white evangelical Protestant have been stagnating uh on that regard in terms of growth
1: are you seeing trends towards secularism secularism or um is it is it hard to say at this point
2: uh, you know one of the things was that uh, back in the day when when we released the s in two thousand and eight uh two thousand nine um My colleague is is at the University of Tampa, Ryan Cragen, came up with this prediction that in in a few years we're going to see a quarter of Americans identifying as not religious. Uh, And now we're saying, like, if if you look at uh, the other tool that we released uh, recently, the American Values Atlas,
0: 21%
2: of Americans identify as non-religion. So actually, Ryan's prediction is actually becoming... True and and it 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 keeps growing and it's growing among the younger people. Uh so the millennials are about a third now uh who declared themselves unreligious. And our data, uh I mean at C R I and previously uh at the at Trinity College at the Diaries and a subsequent survey uh, from Pew have also found that Latinos uh which is uh, my other area of expertise actually have in, uh, increasingly number of uh, non-religious. So this is, not, this is a trend that, I mean, I don't know how how long it's going to take to stabilize, but it's certainly still on the rise.
0: I was playing around with that uh, American Values, the Atlas that you're talking about, Um, And we'll provide a link for anyone listening to this podcast. But one of the interesting things is you could see the religious demographics for every state, at least the most current ones we have. And what was amazing is that so many states in the U.S., the highest demographic percentage was non-religious. They were unaffiliated. I was amazed to see I, – maybe I expected that in a couple of states, sure. but, like, so many of them had unaffiliated at the top of the
1: list. That is interesting. How did Illinois do?
0: Illinois – you know what? I don't remember which one uh, – where <sighs> Illinois was, but, like, you know, you would expect in Utah Mormons was sure. at the top of the list.
1: Sure,
0: But, man, you go down, like, the West Coast, it's unaffiliated, <laughs> unaffiliated at the top.
1: That's really interesting.
0: What – um. Joem, what did you? How does the process work for those of us who who only see the results of your your work? How does the process work from when the studies are done and people are called, and it uh, you've talked to people on the internet? What do you do from getting the data to publishing it? Uh, it's a it's
2: a, it's a, it's a process we would like to be longer. It's, it's very hard to It's very quick. Uh, for, and and it's you know, it's very efficient uh, and we, we have honed it down. Uh but basically, you know, we have concept meetings, you know, what do we want to know? Uh what do we want to ask? Uh and then basically, you know, we come up with a set of questions. We we usually have in terms of religious identification, we have a set as you know a set battery of questions uh that we ask in every survey. Mm-hmm. And we have some questions that we always ask, uh, you know, is uh, the war issues, uh, even our interest in religion, particularly we certainly, uh, ask most of them, uh, in our surveys. Uh, we usually, you know, it depends on how long the, uh, how large the samples are. It depends on the field periods. Uh, also depends if we're doing the survey online or we're doing it in, uh, on the phone. Uh, and then after that, we get data, we look at, you know, the trends, uh, we, we clean it up, uh, you know, make sure that uh, there are not responses that shouldn't be there, some weird coding or anything like that. We clean the coding. We double-check that, uh, my colleagues and I. Uh, and then, we, then we have meetings where we decide, okay, this is, you know, this is important. This is really interesting, but, you know, cannot make it to the report right now. And it happens a lot of interesting stuff that gets on the cutting floor. Uh, and basically we, we, we divide up the reports, uh, copy edit it, uh, check the numbers, uh, confirm that everything's going on. And then like, you know, we do that, uh, we do a presentation, we do the, uh, press release and and all that. And I think the process on average would be like two months from, uh, the time we, you know. Getting to the field to the time we release, which, I mean, in this oh, business is cool. really fast. That's
0: a yeah. really fast turnaround. Uh, yeah, very much. Yeah. Uh, one uh, quick question. For people who don't understand statistics or how people do surveys like this, how do you know that you are reaching um, a fair uh, demographic of people, especially when you're doing any of these surveys online? Because yeah. obviously we're all used to online surveys being unreliable. How do you make sure your data is representative and reliable?
2: Yes uh so the phones are really, uh, have been done for years that's uh, uh, a true and tried method of uh you know basic, you know the basic samples uh, uh, it's you know random national samples I mean there's some stratification that we call that in terms of region and demographics and there's some weighting process so we weight the sample to represent uh, uh some key demographic of the population uh, but basically, you know, in theory, everybody in the US has the opportunity to be called. And at this point, uh, now that a lot of people don't use landlines, like our samples are half landline, uh, half cell phones. So that, and that has, that has allowed us to uh, get more young people in surveys, which was a problem, uh, was becoming a problem. Uh, and also more uh, minorities, because particularly Latinos and African-Americans are more likely to use cell phones than landlines. Mm -hmm. Uh, In terms of the online surveys, uh, we use a field house that has uh, an address-based system. So basically, and when I say address, it's like physical address, so they have a panel. Uh, and it's, you know, nationally representative, so these online online surveys that we do are actually nationally representative, uh, similar to those uh, that we conduct on the phone. So it's not like, you know, we send emails randomly and, and we get people to respond, but people who sign in, and not everybody can sign in. So, uh, I don't know if you have done government surveys.
0: I don't uh, think I have. I haven't.
2: Okay, so, so uh, similar to the census, the census has these different surveys. Uh, the one uh, that is more common now is American Community Survey, but basically not everybody gets it. And, but, for example, let's say that your household is selected, let's say you move to a place, it's the address that is selected. So anybody who lives in that house oh, hmm. uh, it's who is selected, not a particular person. So this is a relatively similar process in the case that, you know, it's the address what matters, uh and the neighborhoods uh what is what is grand uh randomized. Uh not necessarily the, the computers or, or the email addresses or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that basically helps to be you know, more reliable and similar sure. to what we know. But it's a, a very expensive process.
1: Yeah, I bet. Do you ever because you do just put out numbers um, do you find do you have any issues with uh, people taking you know taking the data you found and skewing it for their own for their own devices?
2: Uh, sorry, I could, can you repeat the question?
1: Um, because you deal with numbers, you just put out you know statistics whenever you put out these surveys. Do you do you notice people take the numbers that you found and skew them and try to interpret them in their own in their own way? Is that a problem you see?
2: Uh, it happens all the time. Like. Uh, and you know, I have been in these uh, for for the longest time now. Uh, yes, I mean that that's something that's going to happen, and we actually encourage you know that you know discussion with our, with our data, whether it was back in I ICCC or, or now at CRI. Uh, that's something you cannot avoid, certainly not with the internet.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and and yeah, you know, people use them, and and you know they're getting their their way. I remember back in the day when i was at 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 C, you know we would get people talking about the, the you know the, the big thing that we used in our release was the right of the knowns at the time uh and so you had people talking about you know the right of the knowns uh, and you know organizations like uh, American atheists talking about you know the coming of secular America and then you have people interpreting them as oh no this is uh you know, this is just a trend or this is just a fact and these are young people that are gonna come back. Uh not necessarily with any other evidence. Uh and I and I don't think that's the point. I think it's good that people are discussing our our numbers. Uh if we are not responsible for what they say. Uh sure. and, and and you know and you know this is America so people are free to have, have their opinions and the more that, you know, our work Encourages
0: discussion uh, for us is the best. Uh Last year, when you guys did the American value Survey, I remember you guys said that nine percent of the Tea Party uh, people who are members of the Tea Party, nine percent of them were unaffiliated. Who are these people <laughs> who are in the Tea Party but are not religious? They, I
1: don't uh, know they just who, fall who they. In are. the margin of error. <laughs>
2: Uh, well i uh well actually I think uh, you know it may fall under the margin of error but you know unfortunately we, uh, fortunately we uh, fortunately we don't have uh, uh, identifying information for for our respondents. so I, <laughs> so I, I can't actually they, uh,
0: call one of these uh, <laughs> uh but you
2: know it, it I think it's an interesting thing uh because you know before I joined PRI, uh, PRI did the uh, the first big survey on the Tea Party was the American Bible Survey 2010. Uh, and one of, the inter- you know, one of the questions that my colleagues asked at the time was that there was a lot of discussion about whether the Tea Party was a secular you know, libertarian movement. And what they found, and what we found this year as well, uh, in which we repeated some of the questions, was that uh, the Tea Party is actually comprised by a lot of people who also identify as members of the Christian right. So in that sense,
0: uh that is a shocker. You know, the previous
2: report <laughs> and these re- <laughs> and these reports uh you know ha- ha- have shown that, that that is not the case. And in fact and the, uh, the ABS from last year, like about the survey from twenty thirteen, actually focused on libertarians. Uh and we found that actually libertarians were significantly more likely to be uh religiously affiliated.
0: Let me let me piggyback off of Jessica's question for a second. Um Because your job and PRRI's job, you guys just tell us what the numbers say. It's not your opinion. I mean, these are just this is what the facts of the matter are with some margin of error. But do you ever get criticism or does PRRI ever get criticism for what the trends are showing?
2: I mean, you know, you, you may get and, and and it comes from all sides. Uh, you know, it's, it's somebody is trying to write a piece and you know the numbers not don't match necessarily a storyline, you'll get like all the you know, the conservative PRI or the liberal PRI. Uh and and I mean it's it's part of you know, it's part of being a public organization, uh with with uh, with a very public profile that uh, gets involved in a lot of debates. Uh, I know. guess I
0: could. I guess I could see that if all of a sudden there was a survey that came out that said, you know what, the number of people who are non-religious is actually lower, mm-hmm. much lower than it used to be, like in previous years. I'm sure there would be a lot of people, maybe myself included, who'd yeah. be like, well, they probably screwed up how they, they asked the suspect, question, or yeah. yeah, they did something wrong because that goes against my storyline. So I guess I could understand that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, you know, it's gone through the territory, and uh, so, you know, we're quite aware of that, and, you know, it, it happens, really, you know, I've been used to that since, you know, I was at ICCC, so it's, but, you know, for the most part, everything is, uh, you know, it's mostly positive, and, and you know, we great we get great coverage uh, from, you know, all sources of media, including advocacy organizations or or. You know bloggers like you uh and, and we actually like that and we like that you know the data and our numbers are getting discussed and in a uh, as a as a long time reader of your blog uh, uh I, I actually get quite excited <laughs> when when I see our uh our data being featured in sure. in friendly aces and and other
0: yeah. Well, I mean, it's always fascinating to see those results and seeing how these trends are, are changing. Right. And usually, at least for the past several years, they've always been going in our direction. Mm-hmm. More people are getting non-religious or unaffiliated or whatever you want to call
1: it. But it's nice to see the data because like, yeah. I, I feel like you and I oh, have kind yeah. of run in circles <laughs> that like everybody's an atheist. Yeah. That was easy. <laughs> no,
0: now I have math to prove it. And yeah.
1: <laughs> um so so what drew you to uh to data and to these numbers? Is there something that you enjoy about about the process or about handling statistics? Is that a thing you enjoy?
2: Uh so you know, I kind of started in college. Uh, I was I actually wanted to be a lawyer. Uh when I was in college and and I got drawn into uh some classes on public opinion and you know, I got hooked. Uh, I designed my first survey when I was 20. Uh, oh, wow. A little exit poll in my hometown. <laughs> uh, and, and then then you know, I went to first, uh, my, as I called my first tour of duty in grad school uh, and did survey research as, as part of my major. Uh, then I, I worked in, you know, other organizations, mostly as a statistician. Uh, and then it... It came to 2007 when I got my lucky break at Trinity College, ICCC, and that great team uh, that we had in there, and that's basically where I finally got my—I I had been interested in religion and politics for a long time, but initially most of my research was on voting behavior. It didn't do much about religion, and, and ICCC basically got me into in that world that I didn't know how to get in. Uh, and you know, I, I love it. it and you know, i historically and culturally is something that affects uh, has been affecting American politics for a long time uh and American politics is my main subject of interest in, in political science so uh I just love it and you know i i, I can't see myself doing something much different yeah. uh, whether it's in, in a, you know it, 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 either in senior organizations or back in academia it, it's something that i it's
0: a subject that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, One of the, uh, let me ask you a personal question, because within the atheist movement, we have had a lot of trouble um, that I've seen anyway at different conferences by withdrawing in diversity. Um, there, It's usually a lot of white guys. And I wonder if any of the data that you're studying, if any of the results that you're seeing suggests that there may be an audience out there that we can reach out to.
1: I'm, I'm- untapped
0: market yeah if there's an untapped market out there that maybe we should be looking at that we're not paying attention to and sometimes we've gotten in trouble because uh, we've had david silverman on the show before who went to like the conservative political action uh conference like mm-hmm. the cpac conference um and he got in a lot of trouble just for trying to reach out to those like conservative republicans who may already be atheists yeah. but i wonder if the data suggests uh, anything about who we should be Looking at and, and how maybe we can draw them in?
2: Uh, so, I mean, it depends on how you. If you talk about the unaffiliated in general, uh, that's one thing that, you know, our data on atheists is very limited. Uh, uh, at least self-identified atheists, so we don't have a lot of those people to slice and dice. And that's uh,
0: because when you call up, like very few people are saying they're atheists, so you don't have enough to run numbers on?
2: Most of the time, yes. Unless we have like a humongous survey, uh, for the most part, we, we, we can't life and dice uh, atheists uh, or agnostics. Uh, but I mean, usually the pattern that we see is that, yes, especially atheists and agnostics tend to be wider, they tend to be better educated. Um, but my experience talking to groups and, and, and especially the, the com, you know the the community that I, I'm most involved with, is, which are Latinos in the United States, uh, there's certainly a growing segment of Latinos in the country that you know are interested in these debates. Uh, and, and I've seen a couple of organizations, but for example, I'm still waiting for a national Latino blogger. Uh, that, you know, it's talking about these issues, uh, and, you know, it, and also, Asian Americans, like, you know, something that uh, we found in Harris back in the day, uh, that, you know, Asian Americans are also uh, un- over represented in terms of their population uh, in the, among the non Uh but I also, you know, with the exception of, of yourself. <laughs> haven't yeah. seen, like, many prominent uh, uh, secular, you know, atheist secular people from uh, Asian American uh, backgrounds.
0: And then forgetting the data for a second, but just speaking personally, um, do you have any thoughts on, you know, what groups should be doing to kind of be more interesting to the Latino-Hispanic community? Uh,
2: what should groups be doing?
0: Are they are they not doing something that they should be doing? Are they doing anything wrong in terms of trying to reach out to those communities? Uh,
2: you know, one of the things I always thought about the secular movement, as looking mostly as an outsider, is that it's very sciency.
0: Uh, it's very sciencey?
2: Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, for example, most of the people I know, you know, I, I. I'm, I'm about to finish my PhD, and my wife is actually descending in two days. Uh, oh, wow. And and uh, one of the things that you know, I, I'm used to talk to people with physics PhDs, but I'm not tar- used to hang out with people with biology or physics PhDs, with some exceptions. Um, and I think a lot of you know people in, in you know, the Latinos I know, they, they do a lot of like social science degrees and I mean those who have a college education. Um, and they have different sets of interests and I and I think a lot of scientists and maybe turns off a lot of people that are interested in like more philosophical, humanistic kind of debates or even more practical, societal uh, impact.
0: So maybe a little, uh, possibly a less of a focus on science, more of a focus on social issues, might draw in a different crowd than the one we're used to seeing.
2: Yes, and, and I seen that a, a little bit with uh, you know groups like uh, uh, Black Free Thinkers and, mm-hmm. and and uh, and and the groups that seek Wuhotchins and wrong. Uh, that you know they're more interested you know doing a lot of more like kind of social agenda mm-hmm. rather than going with you know the usually the science kind of richard Dawkins kind
1: of
2: yeah. uh discussions
1: mm-hmm. well, I think that brings up a good point. I think that secular movement and like say the gay rights movement have really gone hand in hand for a long time. I think that we as a group could do better about like addressing issues like poverty or even you know f- and, secularism, and even from a skeptic
0: uh, sort of perspective, which is that, look, this is what the data shows. Right. And if we trust the evidence and we follow it where it leads, we should be fighting for, I don't know, marijuana decriminalization or mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how you handle. We got to put less people in prison because right. that's not working.
1: Yeah. And that people pulling themselves up by the bootstraps isn't a viable political stance anymore. Yeah.
0: And this is something I never hear at most conferences. It's not like we're talking about the immigration issues. Yeah. We're not talking about uh, a lot of those issues where data could be applied yeah. to see what the best outcome would be. Because usually you have people working off their agendas or their sure. political parties or whatever.
1: Yeah, that's actually an interesting point. I'm, I'm surprised there isn't more of a, a focus it's, on that. I think that
0: usually what I... The the gist I hear of it is, well, it's not a sexy topic. Yeah, You know, that's... talking about uh, skepticism, talking about uh, the culture wars, mm-hmm. things like that. That is what everyone's interested in. Yeah. But we never really see a lot of the other issues that, that may be way more interesting to people who are not necessarily... Within the movement already.
1: Well, and interestingly, there's a lot of church groups and stuff that do reach out to poor people and, poor, and have a big grasp. And have and a focus poor, on it. And have a focus on poor communities. Yeah. And why, where are we?
0: <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're not there. Um, Joem, what do you see happening in the next 10, 20 years, at least in terms of the secular movement? Will there be... Will the number of unaffiliated Americans continue to rise? Will we grow more diverse? I, I guess ethnically.
2: Uh, so how long are you going to store this? Because I don't want to come fifteen, twenty years and actually show them
1: wrong.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I think it's at some point it's probably going to start leveling off.
0: Oh uh, no. No. Uh, <laughs> Make it stop. Okay,
2: I guess this is my last invitation.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, do you uh, think uh, that's going to happen? There's so there's so much, uh, and, I mean, I mean, I, I've seen a trend that somebody drew that was like hanging out uh, around Facebook. Yeah, that basically predicted that you know the, the athletes were going to be the majority. I don't know what year. Uh, they basically, do a straight linear trend. Uh,
0: but but it's not going to be I, I, straight and linear. We are going to level off at some point here. Sorry? Uh, you're saying, like, yeah, it's not going to be straight and linear. We're not always going to keep growing. The number of nuns is not always yeah, going to so rise.
2: Yeah, at yeah, some point it's going to plateau. Yeah, uh, And then the question is whether... And it's certainly going to be more diverse. I mean, we're seeing already that diversity uh, approaching, right? Mm-hmm. We're seeing the growth among Latinos... Uh, and certainly Asian Americans tend to be disproportionately unaffiliated and it's another uh growing population segment of the population uh the millennial generation is huge and they are the most likely to be uh unaffiliated We don't know what they are you know. fortunately the, the generation that is coming after them uh still not eighteen years old yet so we we can't capture them in surveys to know what's mm-hmm. going on with them uh but certainly it's going to be continuing for a while. I don't know how high it's going to go. I mean, Ryan pregnancy said 25%. It may go higher than that. Um, and then the question is, you know, what, what's going to happen after that? It's going to be, you know, politically what's going to happen. I mean, yeah,
0: can we get like enough people 24? to elect a non-religious, you know, uh, congresspeople, Sometimes. a president, who knows? Hmm. Yeah, openly... Well, I, d- do will we have enough of a powerhouse? Enough of people on the ground to vote? Some people are into people going to
1: pander to us finally? Yeah,
0: yeah, politicians well, pander yes, to the us. the
1: question is, it's
2: not necessarily about uh, pandering. Or <laughs> one of the one of the questions is whether you know the those you know, the the secular Americans or uh, the not, the definitely not- the non-religious uh, are underrepresented among voters, like. You know they—they're Like they punch below their weight in terms of uh, voter turnout. Yeah. Uh, and evangelical Christians
0: get the turnout. Right.
2: Yeah, but part of it is because they're younger, right? The young people tend to vote at, at, at lower rates anyway, so yeah. that may be part of the explanation.
0: Will that change in the part, future as those kids get older?
2: Uh well, depends if 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 the unaffiliated keep feeding off young people the, the problem may be you know they they probably carry over. Uh unless you can find a way to fix the turnout among young people but uh we have been having these uh low turnout among general youth uh, for decades. Yeah. So uh I have questions about elected officials. Barney Frank uh came out of the uh atheist uh closet
0: mm-hmm. right
2: uh just like two years ago or so. Uh, then you had the Kristen Cinema incident in which she, she backtracked that she was a... We thought she, she was an
0: atheist, Nazi. and then she kind of said, no, I'm just, un, I'm, I'm not, I'm unspecified, is what she's technically listed as in the congressional records. Hi roll. Yes.
1: Well, <laughs> at the same
2: time we're seeing uh, some politicians like uh, Juan Mendez in Arizona.
0: Yeah, state uh, senator. He's an atheist in Arizona. We have uh, uh, James Woods, who's running uh, mm-hmm. for Congress from Arizona right now.
2: Exactly. So uh, again, the, the other question is how how much are going to become politically involved? Because there's a dearth of candidates. Right? There are not many, at least not many, openly atheist Americans or openly secular Americans, have been running for office. Right. Uh, and 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 this is something I've.
0: Is, this yep. is something I've pushed for a long time, which is that if you, we want to make a change in politics, it's not just about voting for the right candidate. It's that we need to start getting involved in elected office at mm-hmm. a young age, like run for your class president in high school or college um run for a state uh, Congress position because no one knows who their state representatives are. You know, go go take those positions, learn some stuff, and then you can run on your record instead of your religious label.
1: You've got time on your hands, haven't?
0: Yeah, but this podcast is going to doom. We going to doom me from the get go.
1: <laughs> so, so yeah. So
2: you have that that aspect in which you haven't had a lot of, you know, experience like political experience, and the also uh, another aspect that is going on is you know donations. So I, I mean, I've seen the. Uh, you know, basically the endorsement of candidates. There's now a secular PAC. Yeah. Uh, so th- th- that, that those are the only the other movements that could start happening, right? Uh, secular, uh, secular, TV-based uh, political action committees or, or endorsement of candidates. Uh, but uh, you know, something that may become more prevalent or more uh, with more efficient that that has been done uh, in recent years. But I think, I mean, I think in terms of, you know, basically for the the secular uh, Americans to become a a political force, basically they need more sophistication Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of their politics.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much, Juem, for joining us today. We appreciate your time and uh, keep up the good work with PRRI.
1: Thank you. Thank you.